once said, the boys are back in town. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we have the men of mustache. We have Mr. Doctor, well, Doctor, Mr. or Mr. Doctor, Matt Veronica, slash Mr. Doctor, Zach Clapp. Hello, gentlemen. Thank you for having us here. Yeah, thank you. You are very welcome to be on this Zoom call in this bunker edition of guest podcast on the Carol and Marge show. <laughs> oh boy. It's it's an honor that a Mr. Doctor like me can get. Yeah, I hope I, I hope you know what you're you're signing in I for. I know. I, I have two doctors here. I mean, Maggie and I are masters. You guys are doctors. I feel That's Mr. Doctor to you. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I I stand corrected. Mr. Doctors over here. Correction corner. Two Mr. Doctors I should add. <laughs> we are evenly evenly numbered here between masters and doctors. There's a lot of years of education on this podcast right now. There are many, many, many years. And many dollars of school that we have all Lots invested. and lots and lots of student debt. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a lot of student debt on this, on this uh, podcast today. Yeah, it's very <laughs> If we combine all of our student debt, we would probably be able to afford a really nice house in Clarence. Oh, I would be, yeah. Oh, more than that. Yeah. <laughs> are we thinking East Amherst dollars? Are we thinking OP, like Deer Run type of dollars? Or what are we thinking here? We'd be building a house in OP. Yeah. We'd be finding land. Like, like honestly, like Mike Del Zappo out in Clarence. He just built a million-dollar home out in the middle of Clarence. That's how many dollars of student debt we have on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So, anyways, back to back to regular scheduled programming here. Um, we have the boys of MoveWell that work at the Mustache location. A couple other places, but primarily their their mainstay is at Mustache. Um, I'll let Dr. Veronica introduce himself, then I'll let Dr. Clapp introduce himself. Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been with MoveWell, how long you've been a physical therapist, um, you know, a little bit of background about you. Hey, uh, so my name's Matt. Uh, I've been a physical therapist since August of 2015, and I've been with MoveWell ever since, and I started up at Mustache uh, shortly after that, and I believe it was the January of 2016, so a little over uh, four years, if my math is right. Yeah. Um, So I'm local, grew up in Tonawanda, um, went to Kenny East, went to Deville for college, uh, got a... CSCS, so strength coach certification during college, and this kind of was working as a personal trainer um, throughout uh, grad school, and then uh, knew that I just wanted to find a role in physical therapy that allowed me to take that uh, personal training or performance training background and synergize that with physical therapy, and uh, it was kind of just a vague uh, hope at the time, and uh, that's been what's materialized. So I'm, I'm really grateful for where I'm at. It's great. We'll get a little bit more into like what you guys do in a little bit, but Mr. Doctor Clap, Mr. Doctor Clap. Clap. So I'm Zach Clap. I have been a physical therapist for almost a year now. I graduated last year in 2019. And uh, the last two clinics that I worked at for my internships, uh, I decided to work with. Um, so I've been with MoveWell for about a year now. 
uh, I met Matt and Chris a while back during my time at Uville and really uh, believed in their philosophy behind physical therapy and how the healthcare system should be surrounded by that. Uh, and then I found my way at Mustache maybe September 2018 uh, as a powerlifting athlete, still doing that. And now I'm working towards blending both of the powerlifting and physical therapy together. So, Right on. Awesome. Right on. So now that you know a little bit about them, um, both you guys have been around. It's kind of funny. You know, Maggie and I met Tom at college. You guys both met Chris at college. Um, you know, and if I'm not mistaken, both of them are at Diuvo. They both knew Tom. Yeah, they both <laughs> knew Tom. Like, it's very, it's interesting how IFS and mustache and move well are very intertwined in a sense, because I know I've helped Tom at speaking stuff for his classes. I know Maggie does a lot of that. I know Matt, you've done a lot of that. And I know Zach, you've been a part of it. I don't know if you've necessarily spoke for him, but I know you've been to some of the classes during that time. I think it was, you can say it's just deeply rooted among yeah. people. And uh, I knew Tom from my exercise science days at Duville. So he was teaching me in undergrad. And I think that's how I met Maggie. It is, and, yeah. But I met you through there. And then Car, I think we popped into Mustache for a little uh, gym ex- exploration. Yeah. And met Carly there. And then I knew Matt through Duville and playing a little bit of hockey. Oh yeah! I actually, I remember Zach. Uh, <laughs> I knew Zach as a Franklin Falcon when he was oh, in yeah. middle school. Oh my uh, god! Because he played on my little brother's football team, and he was a tank of a running back. <laughs> That's not surprising. That's not all day. He got some pretty strong legs. I'm pretty sure he was the same height then as he is now. Yeah, too, right. One inch. Ro- one inch. <laughs> one. I was like five five one fifty. <laughs> So body weight's about the same, height's about an inch taller. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, I I remember that. I remember Tom saying that he had a student that was starting to get into powerlifting. And and then I think we, I can't remember where we first, first met, but I remember like at comps, like, I think it was at a competition actually that Tom introduced us and um, where we met for the first time. Might have been either the battle, the one that was at Vinny's. Uh, hockey rink, I yeah, the, the Battle of the Border, rink, yeah. or it would have been the first Mayhem. Yeah. One of those two. Yeah, is there that's my first uh, lifting competition? Yeah. yeah, I remember. I remember those hockey rink days and the musky smell and the oil <laughs> fuel that was charging the the heat. It was it was an interesting day. It was a fun meet, though. It was a fun meet. Hockey rinks are our other connection. And Zach and I played a, a year of Duville Club hockey. I was going to say I. I didn't know if you guys like uh, had any overlap in years at Duville that you guys played together. Yeah, my uh, my last year, my only, only I only played one year of club hockey there because it was after my NCAA eligibility went up. But Zach was the, I think he was the captain of the team at the time, uh, if not in C on the jersey, at least in in function. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he was a stud, and I was a, a late addition, but. Number one on the team and number one in your hearts, right? That's what they say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then during our first policy meet, or my first one, the first mustache mayhem, we were like back to back 
it every every attempt. We were like oh, following yeah. the other one. Really? Yeah, I, I won by like as the slightest amount, and then since that day, Zach has like. <laughs> Zach has went this way. Matt has went more like slow, steady. My my progress since then is very much like a science. More progress. undulating, <laughs> like an EKG. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, yeah. all right, Marge, you got some questions. I have questions, as if I don't know enough about you guys already, but the people want to know. So the people, the people, our mothers, our significant others, and maybe some fathers out there that want to listen. You're getting some subscribers, I heard. Yeah, though. we've got subscribers. Come on, our gotta... extended family, our aunts, our uncles. <laughs> no, we I'm have more than that. <laughs> Uh, we have Greg and Rachel. Greg and Rachel. That, that, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, all right. So I guess my first big question for you guys is what drew you to pursuing a career in PT? So I guess, Matt, you can answer that first, and then, Zach, you can follow. Um, I, I wish I had, like, a real uh, story of passion, like some people do, to really – to uh, that was my motive. I, I never really uh, had a moment where I where I knew like PT was it. I always remember uh, my plans were to play pro sports as a career uh, until maybe I was like fifteen or sixteen, and uh, I always tell people that I I still want to. It was just that other people did not want me to play <laughs> pro sports as a career, like the coaches yeah. of teams and things like that. And their, so, it was their loss, Matt. Yeah, their loss. That, yeah, it was their loss. Um, Real Madrid, I guarantee you, would give you a contract right now. They, I've been practicing my Spanish this quarantine, <laughs> so oh, if boy. that's any motive to the Real Madrid staff, you can finish this, the rest of this interview in Spanish. Then <laughs> my mother would be, my mom would actually listen yeah. for the first time. We'll have one if listener. you did it in Spanish. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was another background thing. Carly's mother was my Spanish teacher in college. Oh, I forgot um, about that. Yeah. Yeah, because she always tells me how much of a great student you are, how much of a great, you know, he's always smiling, so happy, he wanted to learn, and I'm like... Oh, she's I, right. I, yeah. She's right. Senora <laughs> Skaropinski uh, Munoz. That's true. Um, I forgot I'll she put, thought I'll put you the Spanish translation too. in the show notes, if that is all right with you all. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have we'll have the Spanish translation underneath yeah. in the yeah. notes. Well, um, it's like a phone call. Press nine for habla <laughs> español. Oh boy. Uh, nueve para español. Uh, so, pretty much, it, uh, I was like, I knew I wanted some career in sports uh, with a few other like considerations, but. Um, I was like, how can I still maintain involvement in the world of athletics if it's not on the field? So I would looked up things like athletic training and um, you know strength conditioning and PT and sports management, all this kind of stuff, and uh, didn't really didn't you know PT didn't stick out, but I, it was just on the options. Uh, so I went actually to college as a bio major at the start. Uh, because I figured that was better than undecided. And uh, slowly, like, PT just seemed like the least bad option to me. And uh, I didn't really even know at the time. Like, what I do now, I did, wouldn't have known that was an option then. I was just like, eh, maybe this is something that I won't mind. And then uh, 
started getting experience to it. And I, uh, so Chris Nantires, who owns MoveWell, he, uh, I got to watch him during one of my undergrad internships doing physical therapy. I was, uh, and he, he had this, I remember he had this one, one woman's arm in like this position and he was like, well, this is something cool. Watch this. And he like moved her elbow like an inch. And she was like, oh my gosh, my whole arm just like what got tingly or numb or something. And then, and then he bent the arm again and it went away. And she's like, what did you just do? And I, I didn't, I didn't know nerves or anything. I just was like, that's magic. It's brilliant. And I want that, like, I want that power, whatever that is. Uh, so then I just went down, you know, the PT route and, uh, it's magic. So here I am. There you go. You're a magician. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> what about you, Mr. Dr. Zach? Uh, it started in, uh, I guess in, um, I don't know. Throughout my sports adventures when I was a youngster, I've always been training. So I found an interest in training and human performance, and then that made me learn about the body a little bit more. And then I had this friend in high school. It was like 11th grade. Uh, his dad worked at a physical therapy clinic, so he invited me to shadow with him and got to see what PT was really about. And I knew exercise science would be like a go-to for college because that would be the best track to understand training human performance programming things like that and then i'm like well i might as well go pt so i decided to go all six and really find an avenue of physical therapy for myself and that's kind of how i got into powerlifting like after hockey ended because i played hockey at Duval and once that ended, I needed to keep some sort of competition in my life in addition to school. So I did both. And then through school and other experiences, it kind of, kind of led me down this track. And then that's when I met, met Matt and Chris Nentars and hopped on with Mubo. Awesome. So if you guys, I mean, Matt, you kind of indirectly answered this, um, but if you guys weren't to be in the position of being a physical therapist, where do you think you would have ended up? Like if you had to choose an alternative career path? Hmm. I think that while like looking back at it now, maybe it's not what I would choose as a plan B, but coming up from the get go, if I didn't go to PT, I probably would have went into either athletic training or into marine biology. Really? Marine biology. Really? Yeah, that was one of the careers I was looking at, and um, as I was, uh, here's a pun, as I was diving into it. Uh, <laughs> and, I love a good pun. <laughs> and put in the pun. <laughs> um, uh, I was, because I, I was watching Shark Week, and I was like, man, I want to like, film a preaching shark with some bait behind it, uh, and like something cool. And then... I was talking to marine biology programs in Buffalo and they're like, yeah, pretty much you can either study like water pollution levels or zebra mussels. Those are the two like things that you can do with marine biology in Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. Buffalo so is it, extremely limited. There's sturgeon, but that's it. Sturgeon. Sturgeon sound. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, essentially, I would have had to relocate significantly. Yeah, absolutely. It would have been more... 
We would have to be more on a coast, yeah. if anything. Yeah, in fact, one yeah. of um, Jordan's good friends from college, she went to Buff State for marine biology, and she now lives in Florida, I think, but she also works yeah. in the Caribbean, um, and she tags sharks. So she was able to, like, find uh, a career outside of Buffalo, but I'm sure that's a major, like, exception to yeah. the norm of marine biology in Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I would, I would be up with shark tagging still. I feel like when you were describing that, it was like a, a scene from Step Brothers. Like, I was watching Shark Week, and it was like, bam! I want to do that! <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right, Mr. Zach, you. What about you? To be honest, I don't know. I think he is always the go. Uh, I don't know if I would change it. But if I were to maybe start a new career, it would be something like manual labor, hands-on, something in nature, maybe like forestry or something like that. Um, Obviously modeling. Modeling. Definitely maybe. modeling. I thought you were going to open a deli. A deli? <laughs> a small, small coffee shop. <laughs> deli, small coffee shop, same thing, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's so that's it. Cool. That's awesome. So if, I guess another thing I have is if you had to pick your biggest influence, both professionally and personally, um, who would be your, your two? So who's the biggest personal influence that you have? And then who's the biggest professional influence that you have? Hmm. You don't uh, have this to be, Zach can go first. I've been going first. All right. Uh, personally, I gotta say it's gotta be my parents. You know, they've taught me everything that I know from work ethic, uh, determination, just really setting founding characteristics that uh, have taught me to get to this point in my life. Um, so they're they're always my inspiration. My mom's really tough. She battled through cancer. Uh, and my dad picked up some of that slack when she was gone, so I really inspired to be share like a, a love connection that they have, and uh, I want to make them proud. So everything that I do kind of has an underlying foundation too. Then professionally, I'm gonna have to say Chris Nantars. He's really the one that showed me that physical therapy can be something besides uh, seeing many people per hour giving just giving clients and patients the care that they, de they deserve um, and they he looks at the whole person person as a whole and really considers you know uh, environmental stresses um, behavior patterns and then he also is very knowledgeable in his underlying physical therapy and pathology uh, knowledge so when he blends it together his interaction with, with patients really uh, turns a light bulb on for them. So, and then watching Matt doing the same thing. Uh, I think everybody at MoveWell, we all have the same foundation and same beliefs. And just watching them work with clients is really inspiring. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, well, after Matt goes, we'll, we'll 
kind of touch on the Chris Nentar's uh, yeah. uh, topic. But and the setup of, I think we should definitely talk about Yeah, we'll about go on the setup of, of Move Well yeah. and how it differs, and you know, we'll kind of give a little bit of a background on that. So. Yeah. All right, Matt, your turn. You're off, you're off the hot seat of going first. All right. Uh, personally, I've got to... Uh, I've got to assume my parents to be the primary influence just because I, I would have a hard time isolating anything that I do or think or something that's not like a derivative of of that molding process. Absolutely. Uh, so that's uh, the only one that jumps out at me there. Professionally, I'd say, uh, like, like Zach said, Chris Nantars was the one who showed me like what physical therapy could be like uh, it's you know so much different than the traditional ways that, that it gets performed in almost anywhere else you'd go and uh, you know when I observe with him on I, you know, I've got a notebook and I'm taking notes the whole time because there's things that he doesn't even he doesn't even realize he's doing that are like learning points mm-hmm. uh, and then also Dan LeBird who was my uh, my boss, when I had the internship uh, with the Buffalo Bills for a few years, he was our strength coach. I've actually met him before. What's that? I've actually met Dan before. He's a great guy. Very he's nice still, guy. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a lost at Buffalo, but he's now in uh, Brooklyn, the coach doing the strength coach for the Brooklyn Nets NBA yeah. team. Uh, but he was, you know, as my, uh, you know. Careers budding, starting as a as an undergrad to have his guidance for years was uh, in that kind of environment. It was just nothing that I could uh, imagine having anywhere else. Yeah. Um, a funny story about Dan. So I actually met him at Mickey Rats. <laughs> let me okay. let me start with that. That's so. A good start. I was with, I don't know if you guys know uh, my friend Steph Powell. She's a power lifter. Um, and she actually lives out in Vegas now with her fiance. Um, but Steph has huge legs. Massive. She's only 5'2". She pulls 5'35". Like, her legs are just ginormous. Yeah. And so, um, we, obviously, we were teammates in college, and we were at Mickey Rats one summer. And Steph's walking around, and like... It was pretty normal for guys to, like, comment on her legs. So this guy comes up to her, and he's like, are you a powerlifter? And, like, that's normally not the question that Steph would get. And she's like, yeah, kind of. Like, this was before her powerlifting career, like, took off. She just did it as a hobby. And he's like, I can tell. He's like, you're a deadlifter. Like, I can tell by your legs. Because her hamstrings are just massive. And so... They get to talking, and he's like, oh, yeah, I, I work for the Buffalo Bills. And we're like, no, you don't. Like, we did not believe him. Um, we thought he was just trying to, like, pick her up. And um, he's like, well, I, I, yeah, but I'm actually leaving for a new job. Like, um, so this is, like, one of my last weekends here. Um, and we always joked that he was the one that got away for stuff because they, like, really hit it off. Um, then, you know, come to find out we were at a Bills game later on and I was like scrolling through and I was like, holy shit, that's Dan. That's that guy that we met. <laughs> and so he wasn't lying, but, um, but yeah, that's my weird anecdote about him. That's really funny. Yeah. That's so cool. I don't think I've ever met Dan. 
I don't know. I don't know if I have or if any sort of circles or conferences or meetings that I would have come in contact with. Were you in the Health and Human Performance Masters program at the same time? Yeah. Well, uh, we didn't overlap at all. Maybe a year, if that, or half a semester. Uh, it wasn't the same. I guess. Yeah, we didn't. Maggie and I didn't. I don't. Wait, did did Dan take that? Go to Kenesha's for his masters there. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Really. Really. How did we uh-huh. never run into him? I don't know. How did we? Maybe maybe he did it before you guys did. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, it, we... Shit, I don't know. When do you think he would have got his master's? Uh, probably 2015, Wow, 16. yeah. I would have been in the heart yeah. of school at that point. Because I got mine in 2014. I huh. graduated in 2016. What the wow, fuck? Maybe I'm and, wrong. Yeah, maybe our program was really small. Like, How do you spell his last name? L-I-B-U-R-D, oh. I think. L-I-B-U-R-D? College. Yeah. We'll, we'll tag them in this post and yeah, we'll, have them. Oh, God, he can be no, your next guest. Yeah, he went Master's of Science. I found his LinkedIn profile. Head of Strength and Conditioning Coach for the Brooklyn Nets, Kenesha's College undergrad. Well, Dan, if you're listening, we think you're a great guy. We think you're a great guy. I just would have loved to know that we went to school together. That would have been sweet. <laughs> um, okay, so back to topic about Chris Nentars. Yes. I think Chris Nentars has been comp- very influential on all of us, at least the, the three, um, Zach, Matt, and I, uh, for being you know a part more so of Move Well and, and Mustache. I mean... I said it on a couple podcasts ago, and I've told you guys this story before, but like uh, him kind of steering, indirectly steering me to be my own boss, I think was, um, he was, you know, the only, the first person and maybe, maybe the only person that thought it was a great idea, honestly. Um, he was, you know, very much do things for a person, not a place, and you know, you really take care of people and showed me, you know, and you guys can kind of touch a little bit more on this when we get into why you guys do what we do, the difference between clinic versus what you guys do. Um, but showing you that, you know, you can treat on a one-on-one basis and make an obscene amount of progress, but also caring about that individual as a whole and taking, taking it in, like, you know, uh, like Zach was saying, or I don't forget, it was either Matt or Zach, one of you guys was saying that um, you not only have environmental factors, you have behavior factors, personality, stress levels, all those things play a part in recovery and process and all of those, um, you know, topics and things, traits that come into a person's well-being. Um, and he was the first and he's been very influential in that aspect. And I, Matt, I think you're right. I don't know if he realizes he does a lot of these things for people, but he does. Like he, he influences us without even realizing he's influencing how we're thinking about this whole process. I mean, I remember the first time I met him, or it was the second time because it was for a TRX course. I remember meeting him and him taking such large concepts and breaking it down into very layman's terms for us. Like he'll take these really broad thoughts and really specific scientific thoughts and 
anyone and their mother, like my mother could understand what he's talking about and breaking down these concepts. And that's, I think he's done that for all three of us. And I know Maggie as well, like uh, maybe not directly from Chris, but in general, that's kind of how we bring these very large concepts and very specific concepts and make it very easy for people to understand because people need easy to understand because how else are they going to follow it if it's not easy for them to understand? Even though it might be, there's a lot more that goes into it behind the scenes that people don't understand. He breaks it down and he was the first person, at least in my life that introduced me to that and that way of, you know, training and thinking. Yeah. I think, you know, and that's something that I want to, you know, have you guys talk about next is what does make move well, such a unique setup. Um, you know, I think that your model has, proven to be very successful with patients and I think that it's because of the way that it's structured so if you guys want to elaborate on that and just kind of for those who don't know talk about how move well is different than a regular um like PT clinic and before you do that I think Chris was the first person I I found or met or know of that did what move well does you know one-on-one style I've never until now you know obviously this is going back almost 10 years ago, 12 years ago that I first met Chris back then. I don't know if I ever knew someone that did one-on-one physical therapy. I don't know if it was uh, common enough in that sense. I don't CrossFit was just becoming a thing, you know, with whole, the whole Kelly Sturette, you know, fix yourself type deal. Um, but I don't know if I ever knew anyone that did that kind of stuff. I had some exposure to it just a little bit, um, when I worked at Buffalo cardiology because our, setup had involvement with a PT group. And so our patients that went through our behavior modification program, they yeah. would work one-on-one with a yeah. PT as well. So I think that's the only other time that I've really seen it, but you guys can, can explain really what it's about. Yeah. So, um, as move well, pretty much what sets us apart is if, if you go to a standard, uh, PT clinic, uh, the, the biggest difference is that, they, they're accepting insurance and the reimbursement rates insurance companies pay them dictate how many patients they have to see uh, in a day to to keep the lights on, to, to stay, uh, you know, maybe not, I don't know how much profit any of us are really making, but to, to stay in business, keep the lights on, uh, and that's going to dictate how many patients they have to have simultaneously per hour. So typically you'll see... Uh, four patients at the same time with each employee. Um, sometimes that can be less, but I've also heard sometimes that can be more than that even. And, uh, you know, that means that, that, you know, 45 to 60 minutes that they're there for, that the patient's there for, uh, that time of the therapist is cut, uh, you know, only a quarter of that time at best are they with the PT uh, and it. You know, they're doing the best work they can, absolutely, but the amount of personal attention everyone can get is just inherently going to be a little bit reduced for that. Uh, and in some states like New York that has the lowest reimbursement rates from insurance, uh, that's going to be more of a trend. Other states get reimbursed so much from insurance companies that they can see only two patients at a time or something like that. And um, so I think what motivated Chris to start up a new system is that he has a background he worked for um athletes performance a company that's now called exos and that's uh a 
like a, a mecca of yep. personal training, strength yeah. conditioning, and what they it, it's a very interdisciplinary system. They have medical doctors, uh, sports psychologists, dentistry, uh, athletic training, physical therapy, strength conditioning, nutrition, um, sleep, uh, yoga. Like it's uh, everything's it's there. Amazing. If you want to like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people go into the NFL Combine, train there. Yeah, uh, you know, and they're affiliated with teams like Team USA Soccer, things like that. Yeah. And uh, so in that kind of system, Chris gets to do the best of the best quality of work and gets to work with every athlete, you know, one-on-one the whole time and appreciates the difference between offering interventions from a, uh, a whole person system, like Zach mentioned before, that we view everyone not just about, like, what injury do you currently have, but what are you as a whole athlete or whole person. And so when he left that... Uh, you know, you kind of wanted to maintain that, but for the general public, not just for like the elite athletes. And so you realize if we operate outside of uh, insurance networks, um, that we can afford to just do one-on-one work, which gives us a lot more time with each person. We can focus on them, so, you know, just me and them the whole the whole hour. And so whether that means that we have a more thorough assessment process and that means we find out the, the pro, you know what either someone's injury is or imbalances are or you know what what might be happening leading to that uh to that injury to happen we get down to the root of that quicker we can offer more focused high quality work uh in each session and also teach them in that session how to be how to be self-sustainable and how to you know, be behind the steering wheel of their own healing process so that they can make all the rest of the time they're not with me more productive. Uh, and so pretty much the goal there is maybe if you go into a standard place, you know, someone would have taken eight weeks to heal, maybe with the quality, you know, that we can teach them to be productive, maybe that the healing time gets cut into five weeks or something. And also instead of coming to the clinic three times a week, they only had to come once a week because they were really getting it done on their own time outside of there. Something like that in a way that we hope that the actual sum of money, you know, that that person has to spend on their course of treatments actually is similar or even less going through our route. Um, so that's kind of the way we have our model set up for, I know that's a lot to throw out y'all at once, yeah. but I'll let Zach fill in the holes. I don't know. Matt, you nailed that. Uh, I guess just to simplify, we don't like the way that the healthcare system or insurance companies kind of dictate how or interfere with our patient care and education model. So we really emphasize our time, education, communication, and understanding of each client and kind of guide them or coach them through whatever injury, uh, any other health um, standpoint that may interrupt how they're moving throughout the day or uh, their participation in life. I feel like with um, your model too, I think because the patient has to pay out of pocket, I think they see more of a value in the service. Um, You know, they have more skin in the game that way. So they tend to be a little more compliant with any of the, you know, educational things that you 
leave them with and have them do on their own, you know, they're, they're appreciating it a bit more. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, actually there's data that they do research studies to show that uh, the more someone's paid for their service, not only do they retain, uh, or like, not only that they're more involved in it, but that they do heal quicker, so to say. Yeah. Um, and I'm not quite sure how to use that to convince someone like, hey, you know what? What helps you get better is if you pay me even more. But we're still working on the the phrasing for that. It's an accountability thing. Yeah, it is. Accountable and valuing a service. Yeah. I mean, I think all four of us have had both experiences, going to a clinic and having one-on-one PT. Yeah. And and there's a night and day difference. I mean, I didn't value going through insurance-based PT when I had my torn ligaments in both of my ankles. Like, I didn't care. Like, they also, I mean, no offense to the physical therapist that was there, but they're so overwhelmed that they can't give me the kind of attention that they need. They say, go do an exercise. I'll check in with you in four minutes, do four or five minutes, do four rounds. Then we do it again. Or give me a different exercise. They expect me to do it on my own. Now, naturally, I'm an athlete and educated enough to know, like, what they're talking about, right? But when you're talking about someone who doesn't have that sort of mind-muscle connection that they can just put two and two together, that's not that's not a good way for them to be educated on how to treat themselves, right? Because at the end of the day, you're just speaking at someone. They're expected to know these things. Um, Also, you know, you get a half hour maybe at that at a PT clinic, maybe a little bit more. You, you know, do a warm up, you get some stim, you cool down, you do your exercises and then you're out the door. Yeah. As opposed to you guys offer so much more and anyone who does one-on-one, you know, there, I know there's a bunch of other companies now, a lot of CrossFit gyms, all the barbell clubs. I know Albano's with Steve. I have you guys in Nickel City, um, has people, you know, there, there's, um, a bunch of places that are getting on board with something like this because they see the value that it has. Um, But you guys do so much more. You can take the amount of attention. I mean, it's like a training session, right? It's like you're putting that value not only in your recovery and um, ability to keep training, but also it's an investment that you're making to get better in your training sessions. So it, it goes both ways, and you guys can do soft tissue work. You guys can do minor manipulations. You guys can take the time and give someone an actual specific regiment that's catered to them, not necessarily just catered as a whole, like, all right, this is what we typically do for ankle injuries. This is what you're going to do, and here's an umbrella of exercises to do. But no, you guys can actually take the time because every ankle is different. Every body's different. Everyone recovers different. It's just like it's like programming and training. Just like one-on-one physical therapy, you get to do that as well. Yeah, I think back to when I tore my meniscus. Now, granted, this was like 2003, 2004, but it felt very like template style. You know, like I would go into the clinic and like you said, like you would get like heat stim and then it'd be like, okay, do leg extensions and I'll check back in in a few minutes. And so I'm like sitting there as a 13-year-old just doing leg extensions like and to this day, I know that my knee hasn't been, it's not as healthy as it should be. Now, I've had the opportunity to be treated by Matt and for other injuries, and those injuries probably, you know, were just as painful, um, but 
they I recovered so much faster. And I mean, I'm sure a lot of it is I, you know, we can have conversations on a professional level. And so I, you know, can connect with a lot of what you're giving me. But I think most of it is due to the fact that you guys present it in a way that it's very individualized. It's very much like this is what's going to make you better. Like this isn't what makes a knee better, you know. So I think that the results speak for themselves in that regard. Right. I think like what Carly said, he was just going in and doing exercises. Why yeah. should you come in, do your exercises for me, and then I'm just going to send you back? Right? Yeah. With that. And you pay your copay and they bill your insurance. And again, Zach, you hit a nail on the head. The healthcare system has really not helped that sort of scenario, right? Like it doesn't benefit either of you to go through insurance or move well to go through insurance, even though everyone has accessibility, right? And to the general public, right? Like they pay all this money for insurance through their companies or their company pays a certain percentage, whatever. And they're like, oh, well, I want to use it because I pay for it already. Even though if you didn't have that service on your insurance, you'd probably be paying less money by going to one-on-one, but they don't see it that way because it's an umbrella system. Um, but I mean, that's a whole understandable. I totally get that standpoint too. I, that, I mean, people are are paying for health insurance, and yeah. it must be frustrating to feel like you're not getting the use out of it, yeah. and that it doesn't supply you the benefit. Especially when it's a law that you have to have that and pay for it. Right. Well, luckily for and fortunately for a lot of, uh, I think, move well. You guys can use HSAs, right? Yeah, we use HSA and FSA cards. Which is so great, which is, I think, someone who maybe puts a lot aside in their HSA. This is, you know, a, sure, a great plug, but also a great use of that health insurance money that you're putting aside that you can put towards something else that you can get that one-on-one um, interaction with. Yeah, I've, I've got some people who uh, work out how much they're going to contribute to their HSAs, like with their employers, based yeah. on how much they plan to come see me yeah for and for those of you who have no idea what that is it's not the flex fit wellness cards that you get through your insurance companies work we're talking about actual money that you put away in an actual health savings account hsa that you can put towards pt chiropractic some massage type places um acupuncture things like that and i know move well accepts uh those hsa and fsas Mm -hmm. awesome Um, another question that I wanted to ask you guys is if you have someone who, um, really wants to take the time to take care of their body, like more of an injury prevention standpoint, I guess this is coming from, um, but at the same token, they don't have a ton of time. What would you recommend in terms of structuring like a warm up or a preparatory period before a workout? Like if they only have like an hour to do a full routine, like warm up, actual workout, and then whatever, cool down or anything. Um, how would you recommend structuring that? Zach, can I take this one? Yeah, sure. I guess I would prioritize. So we would take a look at some movement assessments, look at how you're squatting, how you bend over, how you press, all these different movement patterns, how strong is your core. And then kind of from there, prioritize specific, specifically with whatever day you're doing. Are you doing a dynamic lower body day? Are you doing a max effort upper body day? And with our underlying uh, concepts, 
or what we saw in our movement screen, then we can say, we, we know we need to create a little mobility or get this joint um, in a certain position to withstand force and then activate specific muscles around that and then really just prioritize from there while keeping us, you know, doing things that are going to prepare us to lift and then also increase our performance at the same time while staying healthy. And yeah. so maybe it's a five minutes dynamic warm up followed up with a specific stretch or a specific movement pattern and then just activate some muscles, do um, some neurological stimulation and then really get into a workout. And if it's a time crunch for the workout, maybe it's a little bit higher intensity where you have lower rest periods, um, maybe you superset two exercises or do like a circuit training, and then that's really your workout there. Yeah, makes so, sense. Yeah, well, I, I generally like to, like kind of like Zach said, I reverse engineer my warm-up based upon knowing what my, uh, the demand on me is going to be that day, whether it's a soccer game or a Olympic lifting session or uh, just like a jog I'm about to go on. So once we know what we have to prepare for, then I have, so I have four categories that I like to look at. Like what's, what are we doing in a warm up? One is increase your body temperature, uh, which has like decreased injury rates you know, tissue pliability increases. Two is we want to put our body into the positions and that we're going to be in for that, uh, for that workout or practice or game, whatever you've got coming on. So, put yourself in the joint range of motions and the muscle extensibility positions that are going to be used. Doesn't mean that, that, that that's necessarily a stretch, but we want to choose movements that will uh, be what we have to ask of our body. We want to activate the muscles that we're going to be using in that session after. And then we want to do movement patterns that are specific to what, what's about to happen in terms of um, just like a little bit scaled down version. So if it's, uh, if we know we're going to be sprinting, maybe we'll do like the end of your warm up might look like uh, a little bit more like an acceleration drill. Uh, and if you know you're going to be snatching, then you want your overhead squat to be like kind of like the last thing in your in your warm up. That those are the exact positions that you're going to be in for that activity. So those are kind of like the ways that I would do that is then you kind of ramp that up from something easy and then it gets harder as you go on. And it's something, I mean, we've all been in gyms, you know, we've all been in, you know, some sort of corporate gym. We've been in barbell clubs, health fitness centers, whatever may have you. And you, you see at least at, you know, our gym and mustache, we see the trend is people who warm up the most are either healthcare workers as in PTs and OTs or, <laughs> Uh, people who have been injured and don't want to be injured again. Yeah. And everyone else falls into that. All right, I'm going to do a light, quick stretch. I'm going to foam roll my back. You know, do the good old back stretch, go down and touch your toes and call it a day. Um, and, and I think that's really good information for the majority of everyone who falls in that other category um, to kind of hear that. You know, it doesn't have to be long, but if you prioritize five minutes of doing that, even if it's just increasing that, heart rate up a little bit to get your blood pumping and get your body temperature up that can injure uh, prevent injury a lot 
Matt, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you did make a post about a warm up, right? Um, that, that sounds like something I would do. <laughs> um, I, I don't remember my posting history as well as uh, you would think, but I probably did that. Baseball or soccer or something. Yeah, it sounds. It like must something. have been the post headbanging uh, prevention <laughs> injury with yeah. It must have been after that. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, what you should do is go to my Instagram <laughs> from the current one and just read every single post until you get back to that warm-up one. That like makes them. sense. That's that, I, think that, I think that's a really good plug there, Matt. Just yeah. read every single one of them <laughs> until you the find one. the one you're looking for. Share them all with your story. Tag everyone. Tag everyone. Retweet. Yes. Retweet. <laughs> Retweet. <laughs> so the last question I have for you guys is kind of more of a lighthearted one, but um, what is your and you can't say hockey. Oh damn. Yeah. What? Or powerlifting. What is your favorite sport to work with and why? Oh. Uh, you gave me I, the two I know. Right? I knew that they I'm were not, either going to say hockey or powerlifting. I mean, if you really need to say those, that's fine. But I'm I'm going to say. Well, I'm going to put these on the same spectrum. But I'm going to say baseball, softball, hybrid uh, would be maybe the category that's uh, that is most enjoyable because I think it's uh, one that demands the most versatility of body function in terms of like it's got the same running components that something like soccer or track would have to a different extent like yeah. the you know the the dosages of them are are different but like it's got linear speed it's got turning it's got lateral shifting it's got diving uh it's got rotational power uh through the core it's got like force transmission from ground to hand um, and so i think just the amount of movement variables at play are maybe the the most in in the, at least the sports that I'm likely to encounter someone. I was going to say because usually you've had a pretty big network of uh, of all the teams you've played on for baseball. Like I know a lot of guys have come in to see, like a lot of your teammates have come in to see you. Yeah, I'll get guys from my own team. I'll get guys from within the league. I'll get guys from or, or girls who uh, train at facilities. Um, Oh yeah, like Gianna. Like like all in sports or, or like the, the place of the Eastern Hills Mall or something who they get hooked up and um, there's like the hot corner who Sam Combos the strength coach there yeah. who we've got a relationship with and um, so I've got a a good amount of connections to uh, people who played softball and baseball yeah. who I'm for, I'm fortunate for. Alexis will be happy to hear that answer. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. <laughs> Hook it up, Alexis. Come on. We <laughs> <laughs> gotta open first. All right, Mr. <laughs> Doctor Clap, you. Uh, I'm gonna have to say soccer. If okay. it wasn't powerlifting, I'm gonna have to say soccer. Similar to what Matt said, so many different movement patterns, so many changes in direction, uh, and for that, we kind of see some of our athletes at a higher risk for injury based on you know stopping, starting. And changing directions, uh, transfer, first plane or rotational movements, jumping, sliding, all that stuff. So uh, I think soccer, plus it's all done with skill of your feet, which 
not that many people can do. So while sure. doing all those things and then controlling a ball and trying to, to score, but that's all. I think that's very, uh, the athleticism is yeah. so high there. I think soccer is definitely a very athletic sport. Yeah. Not that most sports, you know, aren't right up there, but I, I'm always impressed by a good soccer player. Basketball and soccer, you're kind of always moving. Yeah. You're yeah. never really at one standing still at any point in time. Yeah. That's why I was bad at basketball. I stood still a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not even Shaq stood still that, that I, often. I had a better free throw percentage than Shaq, but... Well, good for you. I'm, <laughs> I'm proud of you. It's <laughs> not hard to do. You I have think... to make one out of 20. <laughs> If this question could expand to uh, a, a hypothesis, I think that Aussie Rules football players would be my favorite group to work with. I have never worked with one, but if you ever if you never watch Australian Rules it's football, insane! It's insane. Yes. So uh, it's like rugby soccer hybrid. Yeah. Uh, imagine like punting a ball to your friend running down the opposite sideline who catches it in the end zone, and that counts for something. Uh, so it's like, uh, it's like rugby players who have already like notoriously like well-rounded fitness, but a little bit more on the speed, endurance end, maybe a little bit smaller in general. Wow! But uh, Matt, I do yeah. have a connection to an Australian soccer player. So an Australian soccer player or an Aus- or Australian football, football, football player? Yeah, Australian football. Really? So, yeah, one of our um, athletes, a Damon. He's a high jumper, but he's also a volleyball player. Um, on the team there, but he played at home. Um, he's, wow. I think, from just outside Sydney. I think that's where he's from. Don't quote me on that. But um, he showed us all what it was last year. Like, he pulled up clips of it, and he was telling us about the injuries that they would see, and it's a pretty savage sport. So savage. If you've ever seen that, you know how that UV player got on ESPN for doing Nordic hamstrings? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that exercise has been popular in the Aussie Rules football community for, like, a very long time. And there's a strength coach who, in Lackland, Wilmot, who actually switched recently to, I think, rugby. But uh, the strength coach world in Australia is very, like, progressive thinking and a little bit ahead of the curve. So generally, a lot of the things that we get in America are sometimes a little bit of, like, what drips off from Australia. Fascinating. Interesting. Mm-hmm. The more you know. I, Matt, I feel like you always have some yeah. sort of fun fact. Matt-isms of information that we would have no idea about. <laughs> <laughs> cool. uh, that was great, guys. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, right, let's, let's, let's all have a cheers. Oh, boy. Cheers. My seltzer. Cheers. Matt, your fake glass. There you go. Cheers. Your pen. <laughs> dilly dilly. But yeah, <laughs> thank you guys for uh, for being on the show and um, for anyone who is interested in finding out more about Move Well, they can obviously find you guys on all social media platforms. Um, and you know, once you know phase two reopens, I think you guys will probably be a part of that, right? Because it's one on one. Yeah, we're going to open up for phase two. Awesome. So um, for those who are, you know, starting to think ahead to, you know, getting treatment and things along those lines, definitely check these guys out. And 
yeah, we appreciate you being yeah. out here. Much appreciated, Thank boys. So. Thank you for hosting us. You're such a great host. You're welcome. The interweb. <laughs> so until next time, uh, we've got another speaker lined up for next week, and we will talk to you all then. So. All right. See ya. Bye, Carolyn Marge. See ya. Bye.